Good morning. Nice job, Elijah. Elijah is Ashton's little brother. Ashton is in charge of all sound tech and makes the reel. Uh, Elijah came to Ashton and said, all I want for Christmas is to be on the reel. Um, it will be Elijah's last time because you know why? I don't trust anyone that has that much hair. That guy, that kid has a, he's a good looking kid. Welcome. My name's Kyle. I work here at Real Life and we exist to help people who are far from God find real life in Christ. And it's a brand new year, all kinds of brand new opportunity and promise. And um, I think most of us are barely stumbling into the new year and you're at the right place. You braved the, the cold weather. You got out your winter parkas. You, some of you dragged your kid. Well, whether they're high schoolers or little ones, you dragged them here, and uh, you did it. You made it. And so we're going to put on the warmest performance we can give you uh, as we kick off this new year. Uh, we're really, I'm just really pleased that uh, anyone showed up. Uh, that's a tough day to show up, and right? So I'm so thankful that you are here. Uh, I want to underline one thing that Elijah said. We haven't done a a new to real life event in a long time. So in um, over COVID, and I don't know how blessed we were to have this happen, but we picked up a lot of new people. All of a sudden, when we started meeting in per person, um, a lot of you knew each other. I didn't know a ton of you. And so slowly but surely trying to make our way to try to get to know y'all. But if you think you're new, and we're not going to qualify that for you, all right? If you think you are new to real life, then you are invited to this event on Sunday the 23rd, right after church, noon, light lunch, at Siglio. Uh, How do you say it? No the old uh, Lakeside School. Uh, uh, headed out of town at the Siglio Winery. We're doing a, a new to uh, real life event. So if you're new, or if you know people are new, nudge the new people there. You won't have to do anything or play silly games or we won't embarrass you. We'll just give you as much information as you want and then we'll answer whatever questions that you have and then we'll find hopefully a track that you'll feel comfortable getting connected with what we're doing when you know why we do it. So that happens. Um, I hope I got that right. I'm pretty sure I did. Sunday, January 23rd at noon. Um, I, believe, I believe that's all I got. It feels like I'm forgetting something. Andrew? Andrew, you're new to... I'll be there. Yeah. Uh, three new people that moved to town, we hired them. Uh, so I, um, I'd like to show up at the event so I get to know them. Uh, so let, let's uh, pray as we keep going. God, thanks so much. Uh, we made it through a, a, another year and really all kinds of difficulty in that year. And so we look forward, no matter what, to this uh, new 2022, whatever it brings, God, we want to enter it and uh, maintain and move ahead because we trust in you. I ask that you give us some tools to help us do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Our world can be a desolate and draining place. It can steal our hope and leave us running on empty. But then, then there are those people who live in the same world, yet they're hopeful they have what seems to be an unshakable confidence in God. In spite of what they've seen, in spite of what they've experienced, in spite of what's happening around them. They don't have amazing beliefs. They have amazing faith. So where does that come from? And how do we get it? How do we rediscover 
and refuel our faith in a world that's running on empty. Well, welcome, y'all. If you're in Brewster, uh, thanks for meeting at the middle school there in Brewster. Welcome, you guys. Uh, If you're online from wherever you're viewing on our online campus, thanks for tuning in. And you're all sitting here in the warmth of the Chelan High School uh, Performing Arts Center. Thanks for being here. Uh, We're uh, starting a brand new series to start a brand new year. Uh, I'm not sure how you're entering this year, how you feel about it. It can't really be any worse than last year, but uh, let's look forward in anticipation no matter what. So we thought we'd start with um, a series that kind of gives you a little fuel for the new year and beyond. And basically where we're headed is the next five weeks, we're going to give you what we believe are five fuels that will move your life ahead as you follow Jesus. Um, I'm not sure where you're at in this. Uh, I'm a master at this. When... Do you remember the last time you ran out of gas? Or the first time you ran out of gas? Um, I'm great at this. I've talked about this before. Um, uh, yeah, I've been running out of gas since I started to drive. Um, when I grew up in Idaho at age 14, I ran out of gas in multiple states traveling. Uh, all, always, usually by myself, though, uh, do I run out of gas. Uh, uh, the first time you run out of gas, there's this, whole, this, this sick feeling like, uh-oh, what am I going to do? Then after you've run out, you've done it really dozens of times, there's this sick feeling like, oh, man, what is my buddy Dave going to say when I call him again and tell him I ran out of gas? Uh, I, I got a uh, new, uh, not a new, uh, a new to me, Ford F-150 truck uh, during COVID and had it about a month in Graham, youth pastor, comes walking into staff meeting and he puts a big gas can on the table and says, this is for you. And I said, what's that? He said, never ever call me or anyone else because you ran out of gas. It holds four gallons of gas. I put it in the back of my truck. So now I can even go farther on an empty tank because I know I got four gallons of gas in the back of my truck. I never ever am going to run out of gas. Uh, yeah, that's a sick feeling. Like, oh no, what am I going to do? If you're uh, hanging out in LA and driving the freeways, you run out of gas in LA. It is like it's, yeah, I mean, you just make your home right there on the side of the road because uh, getting help is going to be almost impossible. Uh, uh, I start thinking about the new year, and you run out of fuel in your, your vehicle. What happens when you run out of faith for your life? Whatever that means to you, whether you're a church person or not, whether you're not yet a follower of Jesus or you have been for a long time, what, what is that feeling, and have you ever felt that? Where you had a faith and then it just, you moved to empty. Or you looked at other people's life and you thought they had a faith, but then you're watching how they live and it seems like their faith is on empty. I read a story a couple weeks ago about a, a pastor who deconverted from Christianity for lots of different reasons or from the version of Christianity that he was exposed to. And then he really was reluctant to tell his mom. And he told his mom... And within a couple of weeks, she deconverted. She walked away from Christianity as well. So when uh, this guy that was writing the book of the pastor who had deconverted asked his mom, why, Mom, why did you all of a sudden want to get out of Christianity? And she said, I was so relieved because I didn't want to hate people anymore. That her version of Christianity 
said, this is how you have to treat people, and if they're not like you, if they don't agree with you, if they do that, if that's that, blah, blah, then they're the enemy. And so for her, her version of Christianity was like, I'm so relieved. So for her, there's a sense of, I'm empty on faith, but it was a faith I didn't want anyway. So what, what does that feel like? That moment when you, like, uh-oh, I'm hitting empty, or I don't know what to do. Maybe it's not faith. Maybe you don't want to put in a spiritual room. Maybe it's just hope. Maybe you're running out of something you never thought you'd run out of, and as you anticipate this new 2022, you're like, ah, I'm barely on empty in some of the things in my life. So as we move ahead into a new year, what would make the difference in your life? What would put you out of place or you would feel full of faith, full of hope, or full of the stuff, not that you get all, you win the lottery or that girl you want to go out with says yes. I mean, those are fun. Those are fine things, all right? Um, but the, the stuff that's going to last way beyond this moment. What would make the difference in your life for you to feel like your life was full, that it was fueled up with the stuff you were going to need to get it day to day to day to day for this year and the years to come? Most of us think it's this. If I just believe rightly, everything will be fine. Don't, don't, wouldn't that be so great if that were true? If simply believing was enough, think how different our lives would be. If, if you just believed it and it happened, this, the, for, like um, let's say science, all right? Not science pandemic, but science like, uh, like for example, I believe that Exercising more and eating less will cause me to lose weight and be in shape. Wouldn't that be great if that's all I had to do? I believe with all my heart that I believe if I exercise, I eat less, then I'll lose weight. But I keep eating more and I keep doing less and I gain weight. What's what happened? Because believing is not enough. What about this? Addictions. We would never have, we would never be concerned about addictions because all of us believe that addictions are bad. They ruin relationships. They ruin lives. They really, they, they cause all kinds. Of, if I believe that addiction is bad, no one would ever be addicted to anything. But the fact is, simply believing is not enough. Uh, your finances. Like, I believe that you should spend less than what you make. I believe you stay out of debt. Um, that uh, if you believe that, then you'd always have enough money. You'd never worry at the end of the month. You'd never worry about anything because you'd always have enough money. If simply believing was enough to make a difference, man, think how different our finances would be. We would all be rich. Uh, or school. Middle schools, high schools, college kids. Wouldn't it be great if, because we all know that preparation is the key in the, to move forward in school, all right? If you want to do well and, and keep moving ahead, then preparing, studying, homework, all the stuff you haven't thought about for a couple weeks, all right? Uh, all that stuff that moves you forward. But can you imagine if you just believe that was true? Like, I believe studying is good, but you never had to study. See, if simply believing was enough to make a difference, man, think how different our life would be. So then we think, okay, it's not just belief, it's no. But most of us don't need any more knowledge. Most of us know everything we need to know about most of it. I know there's stuff to learn and stuff as you get older and everything. But, but most of us, our problem is not a lack of information. 
that's my experience. Now, middle school and high school, that may be a different thing. Maybe there's still stuff that you guys need to learn. But most of the people I deal with on a regular basis, in my office or otherwise, they don't need new information from me. Most of us know what we need to know. Most of us believe what we need to believe. So there's another problem, right, that gets in the way. And that's the doing part. All right? And Jesus was on top of this. All the teachings of Jesus, Jesus knew and taught because he knew that just believing something and just knowing something was not going to make a difference in your life. There's not going to be any movement forward. There's not going to be any radical change for the better if all you do is believe and know. So Jesus inviting people to do. And essentially, and listen, if... You fell asleep when I first came out here. Wake up and hear this, and then you can go back and snooze. Okay, get this. This may be the reason you tuned in or are here this morning, okay? When we believe but don't do, our dreams don't come true. If you just believe and you don't do anything with what you believe and know, then nothing good happens. When we, when we believe but don't do, our dreams don't come true. So we're going to kick off the, the, the new year, right? We're all going to say this together, all right? Let's say, I'll repeat together, online, in Brewster, in Chile. Here we go. When we believe and don't do, fantastic, fantastic job in Chelan. All right, uh, I'm not sure about everywhere else. When we just believe something but we don't act on it, nothing changes. If all the stuff you want in life is only based on things that you believe about or think about or know about, but you don't do anything about it, nothing ever changes. Most of us fail. No, I don't want to. I won't want to pick any because I'm going to pick on you in a little bit. I fail when I believe, when I think, when I dream. I can even write it down, but I don't act on it. I don't do anything about it. What's worse? I think this is where a lot of us are and have bumped into over the last year or so. What's worse is if we believe all the right things but don't do anything with what we believe, then those of us who have a faith, our faith becomes feeble and frail and fragile. You're not feeble and frail. You're not a bad person. You're not unloved by God or me or the people. So just make that really clear. But when all you do, do is believe stuff, let's say about God, but you don't act on it, then whatever faith that was, your faith just gets weaker and weaker and weaker till someday, one day, you wake up and you think, uh-oh, I think I've run out of faith. Jesus had the best approach. Um, Jesus comes along and, again, I'm going to get into a little trouble here, so I'm just warning you ahead of time. Any of my um, seminary professors at uh, Talbot Theological Seminary, the greatest uh, seminary in the United States, if they're viewing, they're going to be really upset uh, at, at the beginning of this, all right? But why would they be tuning in? What, 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 what kind of people would be tuning into a little church in Middle of Chelan? Uh, here goes. Jesus knew all about this. And maybe you were brought up and raised in a certain church in a certain way. And I'm not putting that church down because that's a church I was raised in as well. But Jesus put more emphasis on doing than he did on believing. Jesus comes along and rarely does he say, just believe in me. Jesus all along comes, comes along and he says, follow me, follow me, 
follow me, follow me. Jesus was all about follow me, follow me, follow me. That when you connect and understand who Jesus is, you hear the teachings of Jesus, you read the teachings of Jesus, then there's, there's an act action. There's a movement that comes that says, okay, then I'm going to move out and put that in action. Okay, just this has nothing to do with getting right with God, that you have to earn your right or do things in order to receive God's love and sacrifice. So just, that's not what I'm talking about. That's a gift. But Jesus did say, when he would meet people. In fact, he would ask people to follow him and live like he did way before they even believed in him. And something happened along the way, and people like me and a lot of different churches follow me was so hard and demanded too much that churches began to water follow me down to just believe in me. Because believe in me is a lot easier, isn't it? If you can believe and not do, isn't that easier? But if you believe and not do, then your dreams are never going to come true. So it's really a wasted waste of your belief. Jesus invited people to live this reckless, living, active faith. It was so much more, and this is what I thought growing up, and if it's not you, then, then I'm only picking on me, all right? I just thought, as a grade schooler, as a middle schooler, as an early high schooler, that if I just believed in Jesus, then I don't have to go to hell when I die. And that was enough. So people say, are you a Christian? I'm a Christian. Do you believe in Jesus? I believe in Jesus. Do you follow Jesus? I'm like, I don't know about that, but I'm not going to hell. And that's what it was all about. But maybe there's more to that. Maybe having a living, that God is most honored by having a living, active death-defying in spite of faith. Have you ever met anyone like that? They just have this faith that no matter what they're going through, it's okay. They don't enjoy it and they don't welcome it, but it's like this faith that gets them through anything. And so I started thinking through and reading through, what are the things that make that happen? How do you live a faith, especially starting a new year, no matter what age you're at? How do you live a faith? And not just, listen to me now, Middle schools and high school especially. Not just a faith that says, God's in charge, do what I say, or I'm going to do bad things to you. That maybe God has these things for us to follow because this is the best ways to enjoy life to the maximum. Maybe it's not just a bunch of rules. Maybe it's how to get the most out of this new year, this new life. So Jesus comes along and says, follow me. Can you imagine if every morning you woke up and said, what would I do if I was confident that God was with me? What if I had enough faith? Tomorrow morning when I wake up, if I said, I'm confident that God is with me, all-powerful creator God of the universe, I'm confident that God's with me, then what would I do? How do you get faith like that? Not a hypocritical, phony, I'm better than you faith. A real, I'm a follower of Jesus, faith. Well, today and the next few weeks, we want to talk about the five ingredients that fuel an active faith. That help us to answer questions like, 
How would I respond? How would I react? What would I attempt, initiate, avoid? How, who would I forgive? Who would I ask to forgive me? What, what things move me in a direction where I follow and do instead of just sit and think? There's five ingredients. We're going to talk about uh, all five the next uh, few weeks. Uh, it's just stuff that fuels your faith. And listen, they aren't, they aren't necessarily um, how-to steps. There's just these things that when you hear or read the teachings of Jesus and you interview people who have followed Jesus well for a long life, these things just to be, they, they seem to be prevalent it's not, it's not, hey, listen, if you obey your parents and brush your teeth and don't watch um, dirty TikToks and, and um, be nice to your neighbor and, and um, take in a stray dog, uh, your faith grows. It, 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 that's too simple. There's these things that are just deep that, that over a course of months, years, you, all of a sudden you wake up and you say, you know what? I don't know what happened, but I have an active, living, death-defying, no matter what faith. And I didn't earn it or deserve it. I just started living this thing out, and this is what happened. So here's the one we want to talk about. This is the hardest one to talk about, too, to, just to be honest with you. Uh, the first one we want to talk about, the, one of the five things that fuels your faith, that lights your faith up, that just blows it up and grows it. And uh, The first one we're going to talk about is practical teaching. Practical teaching. That somewhere in your life, either the church you attend or listen to, or watch, or the small group you're in that talks about Jesus or reads the Bible, where you have to have some place in your life where you are hearing the truths of Jesus delivered in a practical way. When you talk to people and you hear their, you hear their faith journey, most people have some kind of story where like, yeah, I just kind of plotted along. And all of a sudden I ran into this person and they presented Jesus in the Bible in so much of a different way than I ever realized before. I was raised in a very, very conservative Baptist church. My dad was my pastor since the, the day I was born. And it's no fault of his, okay? He probably was a good practical teacher. He probably, some of you were in his church way back in the day, he probably was a good teacher that gave practical steps. I wouldn't know that because I never listened. He was my dad. He wasn't my preacher. I just, I was so bored to death in, in, in church. And, and I, I just, I didn't listen to him at home. Why would I listen to him at church? So it, it was blah, blah, blah. So I just kind of went through the motions of, of Christianity. I believed because I didn't want to go to hell. And, um, you know, when I was in, I was like a kindergartner, and I was in little kids' group at, at, at church, and they told this story about a mouse trap, and the cheese was sin, and the mouse was me, and if I go get the sin, bam, you know, and the only way not to get caught in the trap was to accept Jesus, and I thought, well, I don't want to get caught in the trap, and the trap was hell, and I'm like, it signed me up for no hell, and so that's what, here I am. <laughs> From that day on, I wasn't going to hell, but I caused hell everywhere I went, all right? It made no difference. Some of you are laughing because you knew me. It made no difference in my life whatsoever. Then ninth grade came. We had moved from Chelan. We moved to Boise. Um, started attending uh, Napa Christian High School. Home of the Trojans, thank you. Uh, perhaps you heard of us. And uh, the very first day of school, there's this new teacher, and she's like the choir director, but she was so much more than a choir director. Her name was Sunday Weshi, 
her name was Sunday, uh, and she just, she just died a, a couple of years ago. It was her birthday a couple of days ago uh, on Facebook, told me. And I, so it brought all these memories back again. She was the first person in my life, and I'm not putting down anyone else in my life along the way. She was the first person in my life that said to me in so many words, Kyle, you know so much about Jesus, but it makes no difference in your life whatsoever. You know all these verses that you memorized in Sunday school so you could get a little, little snack or a goodie or something like that, but it's made no difference in your life whatsoever. Maybe this would be a time, at 14 years old, maybe this would be a time to start doing instead of just believing. Maybe this is a time to start following instead of just believing. And she kind of shook me up. And listening to her uh, in class every day and then... Uh, um, uh, the stuff I learned and the tools I picked up. That was the first time I thought, wait a minute, this Jesus thing is a normal, real, everyday personal faith. I didn't know that. I was blessed then to uh, go down to college at uh, Biola University, and uh, I was able to go to um, uh, E.V. Free, even first E.V. Free Fullerton, where Chuck Swindoll was the pastor. If you don't know Chuck Swindoll, you should. He's still getting it done. He's still pastoring. He's down in Texas. Um, he and I spend every morning together because I have a devotional book that I read every... Uh, when I first went to E.V. Free Fullerton and sat in this big church, and I thought, there's so many people here. There's so many cars. How, what is this going to be like? And I, Chuck Swindoll would sit there, and he would teach the Bible. And I'd look at the verse, and I'd say, okay, that's a good verse. And then he would talk about it, and I'd say, wow, I didn't know that was there. It was the first time I went to a church, and I heard a pastor say... This and that and this and that. And then he said, listen, and here's a practical way to live that out. you got to find a place like that. Because when our active faith intersects God's faithfulness, that's when our faith grows. When you step out and attempt to live out your faith, and then you see God come through at those times, your faith gets bigger. So, Jesus comes along and he has this way of teaching. And he just kind of bursts on the scene. And it's kind of this upside down kingdom ethic where when Jesus shows up on the scene, the, the, everyone with the power made all the rules. The, the rich people were to be served. That, and Jesus comes along and says, listen, it's not even like that. It's the opposite of that. So... Um, I think that's why I think every woman should be a follower of Jesus. Jesus breaks on the scene and he, he, he elevates women to the place of equality with everybody else where they should be. He didn't, he, he didn't treat people the way society told them to be treated. He comes on and he says stuff like, hey, listen, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. You know, like, that's ridiculous. Um, if someone asks you to do a favor, you do more. If someone asks you to give something, you give more than what they asked. Like, this is so weird. That, that, how do you even live like this? He'd say things like this. Hey, don't worry. I was like, Jesus, are you looking around? We have so much to be worried about. Uh, he'd say, forgive no matter what. Pray for your enemies. And people are like, we don't even pray for each other. What do we, we're not going to pray for our enemy. It was the opposite of what they were used to. Um, he says, you can't be right with God if you're not right with other people. And it was like this, all this stuff. And, and it, it was just like, what? And in this sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount, a lot of people think it was Jesus' go-to sermon. 
to some extent, I agree with that. Like Jesus wasn't looking for new information. He was looking for new audiences, right? Because the best sermon is the one you've done 10 times. All right, I wish I could get away with that. I've snuck some. I've repeated some around here. But Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which originally was packed with all this upside-down stuff that just was counterculture to what was going on. People were sitting on the side of this hill, and Jesus taught them from there. But Jesus probably taught this information more than once. And in that, he, uh, he, he says, I'm inviting you not to simply believe a different way, but to do life differently than what you're doing. It's not just about beliefs. Here's the thing. There's some of you here or listening who know that following the practical teaching of God, of Jesus, that there's a reward on the other side of that. And not riches or a new house or a new car. There's just this increased faith that comes when you trust Jesus in the moment. You follow through doing something that you know he's asking you to do, and you see the benefit on the other side of that. So real quickly, let me pull out at the end of the Sermon on the Mount where he's saying all this stuff. Forgive, don't worry, God's going to take care of you, all this stuff. Then he ends the entire huge sermon. He ends it with a promise, and he says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and what? Hears and believes. No. Hears and remembers them. No. Hears and fills in the, uh, the missing slot in the bulletin on Sunday morning. No. Anyone who hears these words of mine and feels guilty after them, that's, that's as far as most churches go. You go to church and you hear a sermon and you're like, man, I feel so bad. I feel so close to Jesus. And we're like, what? Why do you do that? Well, I just feel so guilty. What he said really got to me. Well, are you going to do something about it? Oh, no, I'm not going to change my life. I'm just going to feel guilty about it. Because when I feel guilty, I feel close to God and we think that's it. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, this is the promise he makes. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, acts on what I've taught does something with what they've heard, is like a wise man. A wise person is this, someone who connects the dots, right, if you want to be wise, connects the dots with behaviors and outcome. If I do this, this will be the outcome. And a wise person understands that. Or lives as if today's behavior is going to create tomorrow's reality, and it's really tough when you're younger. I think it's really tough when you're older. To say that what I do right now is going to affect later. And Jesus says, anyone who listens or reads my words and puts them into practice is like a wise person who builds his house, he establishes his life and future on a rock. Again, I think building around here, like you find out your land you're going to build on has rock, and you're like, oh, no, we have rock. Well, back then this was a little different. It was the best, firmest foundation to build on. It was the sturdiest Longest lasting, it was more expensive, more time consuming, but it was the best way. It was so labor intensive that it took extra effort. And in that, people heard, okay, Jesus just said, if we follow what he did and we put him into practice, then we'll be wise people. We, won't want, we don't want to be foolish. But hanging in the air is this question you have too as you sit here. Jesus says, Do you trust me? Do you trust me that if you stepped out and acted on what you've heard or read, that there's a positive 
outcome and increased faith that's welcomed. And some of us would say, no, I have a tough time trusting you, God. I tried that before, and it didn't go very well because I didn't get what I want. I thought I was trusting you. I thought I was living Christian life, and life went sideways, and obviously I can't trust you because it didn't go the way I wanted to, and I get that. It just talks about here's the future. Here's the outcome of people who listen and do. He says the rain came down. The storm came. The streams rose. There was a flood, flash flood. The winds blew and it beat against the house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because its foundation was on the rock. Everyone went through the same storm. Everyone went through the same calamity. Everyone experienced the same pain. But the wise person who practices what they hear or read from the teachings of Jesus are unshakable. But then he says, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Anyone who builds on the sand and flash flood comes and it wipes it out, uh, 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 it's, the, the implications were stunning. That you can listen, read, be exposed to the teachings of Jesus, be surrounded by a family who loves Jesus, Christian family, be surrounded by Christian friends, hang out at youth group, hang out with, go to small group. That, that, the, the implication of stunning, that believing can be deceiving. That there's a possibility that you can sit and listen to the very words of God and your belief, you think, ah, I believe I'm done. And your belief deceives you into the fact that you think you're wise and you're really foolish. i got to hurry up. But if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you're not a Christian, you're not a church person listening or otherwise, you love this part. Because some of you, there's a part of you that says, hey, I don't follow Jesus because I look at the people who call themselves followers and I don't even think they believe it. I know the teachings of Jesus and they don't live them out. What? Why would I be attracted to somebody's faith that isn't living and active? And I get that, and I apologize. I've been that way. I hope I haven't taught that way, but maybe I have. And all I'm saying to people who run into followers, Christians who are struggling and don't set out a good example or they're the opposite of what Jesus taught, all I'm saying right now to all of you, ignore us. Use zero on zero in on who Jesus is in his teaching. Because believing doesn't do anything for you. Just believing doesn't do anything. Because faith is like a muscle. You can believe in CrossFit for years if you want. And your body will look like mine. I believe that CrossFit will help me. But I've never been. And just to be honest, I'm never going. But if you went to CrossFit, if you showed up and did the work, you would get more fit. Faith is a muscle. If you don't exercise it, it gets weak. It gets lethargic. It gets smaller. 
Listen, this isn't you to earn your place in heaven or earn salvation or get God to love you. That's not what we're talking about at all. I'm saying to have a faith, a doing faith, a living and active, a no matter what faith, you've got to use that faith. Jesus says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. It's quick and easy. They listened and believed, but they didn't do because it was too hard and it took too long. And the storm came, the rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Same storm. Most of us who believe, who listen and believe but don't do, and I've been there a little bit. You've been there? You believe, but you don't put into practice, you don't act. A lot of my friends, a lot of people I care about in my life, when they believe and don't do, when the storm comes, when the crash comes, we have a tendency to blame God or we conclude that there is no God. And for a moment, there's this like relief. There's no God I don't have to live up to any standard. I don't have to act out my faith. And there's this relief, like the pressure's off me. I don't have to hate people anymore. There's just this relief. And, and, and then slowly, you, you, you move farther and farther away because you're not putting your faith into, into action and, and, and you're not doing anything. You quit showing up and you quit reading. You quit hanging out in places. And then all of a sudden, you find a place where you're like, uh-oh, I am out of faith. And we need to make stuff up about God. And we need to say things about um, the teachings of Jesus in order to relieve the stress we have about the faith we're struggling with. And it's a crisis of faith. And if you're there, I understand you. But listen. Um, people, I'm almost done. People who struggle only believing but not doing, not putting faith into action. They believe, but their faith was weak and feeble. You're not weak and feeble. Your faith is because it hasn't been exercised. God by the name of Lane Jones says, unapplied truth is like unapplied paint. It doesn't do any good. The values in the application. And listen, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. You'd never say this out loud. But I hear you. It's like, I just want to believe. Some of you struggle with just believing, like that there is a God, that he did send his son, that the sacrifice on Jesus on the cross was on your behalf. That's tough for you to even believe it. Like, ah, it's just mishmash stuff. Others of you are like, yeah, yeah, I, I don't want to get trapped in a mouse trap. You can have your cheese, just don't send me to hell. And there's this sense that I just want to just relax and be who I am, and I don't want to be burdened by the doing of faith. I get that. I get that. But the fact is, there's a storm that comes, and there's rains that fall. And if we don't know that after the 18 months we've been through, and some of you would double and triple, quadruple the pain that you've gone through compared to some of us in the last year and a half or so. And the wise person is the one 
that was trusting, that was doing, that was stepping out and exercising and acting in faith. And then when the storm came, they endured it. They didn't, it, didn't, it didn't wipe them out. So as we wrap up this morning, like we try to wrap up every Sunday, let me give you some things to do. What do you do now? What do you do now? No, knowing what we've talked about, hearing the teaching of Jesus, Jesus gives us promise after this long sermon. What do you do with it? First of all, foremost, get involved with teaching that has handles on it, that, that stuff you can hold on to. Now, listen, I'm not putting down other churches at all. At all. Whether it's real life or the, the church you're from or where you live or, or the, the church you want to go to. Maybe this is your last Sunday here and you're going to find another one. Okay. Well, find one that teaches the truth about Jesus and gives you steps on how to live it out. Because just knowing stuff and being impressed with, like, you guys, when I was 10, I knew the books of the Bible in order. And in reverse, I could sing a song about them. I knew all kinds of verses. I knew, uh, I, I can't even tell you how much about the Bible I knew. More than y'all at age 10. And at age 10, I was breaking into houses in Chelan, shoplifting from spouse rights and stealing records from um, um, Western Auto. Who's with me? I was a horrible kid. But I knew a ton. There has to be a place and you can pick it. It doesn't have to be here. Maybe it's your small group. Maybe it's something you start. Where the teachings of Jesus isn't just this mystical belief about something out there, but it's an active, living, life-giving, life-changing, no matter what faith. Second thing. You may be here. You may be listening, whether online or in Brewster or watching. Um, you need to decide to actively follow Jesus. You can make that decision right now. And you're like, ah, I'm not necessarily, I don't know how to do that specifically. Well, we can help you with that. There's a sense that most of us who believe in Jesus, there's a sense throughout the week that we get a sense that God's saying, hey, you should do that. Maybe it's time to forgive that person. Maybe you should go over to that person and say hello. Maybe you should stop doing that. Maybe, are you sure that activity is going to benefit you? All that. And when you move in a direction that you know is right, even if you don't want to do it, but you know it's the best thing, your faith grows. When your faith intersects with God's faithfulness, your faith gets bigger. If you never ever step out to a place where, where, where you have to trust God, where your faith has to be active, where you can just trust you, your faith never grows. Your faith is just in you. But maybe today's your day. Maybe today's your day where you say, okay, I'm going to step out. I'm not going to be a phony, hypocritical Christian. And, and like, I, I'm going to be a real follower of Jesus. And I'm going to trust God to do things that I could never do on my own and wouldn't even choose to do on my own. Finally, choose a life application. Maybe it's just a small one that would make a big difference in your life. You choose to actively follow Jesus. What is in your life where you feel God is moving you or asking you to do? And you're like, eh. I tell my friends, my staff, staff at Real Life all the time, I, I, I hear God encouraging me to do stuff every day. Like, hey, email that person. Pick up the phone. 
uh, give that person a call. Stop by and say hi. I hear that every, and 50% of the time I follow. I know there's times where God says, hey, do this. Quit being mad at your wife. You go in and you apologize. Like, God, that's such a great idea. I'm not doing that. (laughs) And my faith gets weaker. When God calls me to do stuff, it's the little stuff, you guys. And I follow through and do it, even though I know it's right, but I don't want to do it. My faith gets big. I don't want to have a moment where I stand up here and say it's my last Sunday because I don't have a faith anymore. And if that day came, it wouldn't be the God of the universe who changed. It wouldn't be the saving sacrifice of teachings of Jesus that changed. It would be me who changed because I chose to step away and not act on what I know to be true about Jesus and his teachings. I pray that you, no matter where you're at, if you're in a crisis of faith, that this is the day you start moving forward, that your faith starts growing, that you choose to walk, everyone hates this word, you choose to walk in obedience because on the other side of that, you find this bigger, better faith. Turn the service back over uh, in Brewster to uh, K-Dub. Kyle, thanks for filling in for Billy today. We're going to turn the service to you. And here in Chelan, let's pray together. God, thank you. Thanks for Jesus and the realness of Jesus and the accepting of Jesus and the forgiveness of Jesus. And God, thanks for his teaching. And I ask that we would push and move ourselves to a place where we hear the teachings of Jesus, we hear your word, we understand it, and we live it. God, help us be big, active, faith, life-changing people. Not because of who we are, because of who you are in us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for coming out on this new year in a cold day. I appreciate it. Thanks. Hang out, have some coffee, do whatever you need to do. Have a great Sunday. See ya. Love ya. Bye.